Thanks for checking out this message from the City on a Hill Summit. For more content and ways to connect visit www.coah.co.za summit. Good morning to everyone. Yes, I'm, I'm good myself. I hope we'll all be good after this. Not that I intend offending anyone or doing anything of sort. I'm just trusting that. You know, Madoc, when he spoke, he said, God is calling boldness out of us. And it is into that context I want to speak this morning that God is calling boldness out of us. And it's not the boldness that comes from the flesh. Because God will never ask us at any given point to do anything that does not need him. God will never send you to do anything that you don't need his anointing and his spirit for. For all that can be done, however well, in the flesh, remains an ab abomination to God. Because when you do it, you actually declare your self-sufficiency and your, the fact that I don't need you. So whenever God calls a person, anyone for that matter, even if he calls you to serve, that's why some of the gifts of the Spirit seem natural. But the Bible does not call them talents. It specifically calls them the grace. One is giving the grace of serving, the gift of serving. And it says, such are from the Spirit. So it may look very natural, but it's actually empowered by God. And therefore, we must not get into the mode of thinking, God can call me to do what is up to me to do, however, my capability. Amen. So this morning, I want to talk to us about evangelism by spirit-empowered ambassadors. Now, it sounds like a very complicated thing, but it's not. The truth is, sometimes when you do stuff, you have to understand the position from which you're doing stuff. Because the position also determines the authority. The perspective that you have about yourself when you do stuff gives you an understanding of what kind of response and what obligations do I have. So I want to submit to us that when we do evangelism from a place of ambassadorship, we realize that we don't just speak from a place of any Tom, Dick, and Harry. We speak from a mandated place of authority with specific obligations to the king. So which means in our quest, we're going to get into a place of opposition, but because we are ambassadors, we don't have a leeway out of that. And maybe let me start by the controversial aspect so that by the time we get there, we're all clear. We live in a world that is propagating unbiblical philosophies political correctness around sexuality, around parenting, around discipline, around all these kind of things. And when you are not clear about an ambassador state, 
if you are not clear about the fact that I don't have the right as one sent out by Jesus, I don't have any right to, to tweak and alter what I was told. I can only say what the Holy Spirit says I must say. Therefore, even in my evangelism, in, in my discipleship, I, I, I have no mandate to alter what was spoken from ancient times. Jesus says, I speak what the Father speaks. Despite my inclinations and dispositions and anticipations of the pain of the cross, despite my intent to plead the case that if it were possible, could this cup pass away? I don't have the right to ask for this cup to pass. I am obliged to stay on course. And therefore, when he speaks to the disciples, says, as the Father sent me, so I sent you. Which means I send you as people who must understand. You represent me. You represent the Father. You represent the kingdom. You are not called by the world. You are not called by the government. You don't have any allegiance of sorts to them. So you're not going to alter the message to fit the mold. You are not going to alter what I've said. You are not going to try and be ecumenically accepted so that you water down what I've said. So my point is, that level of boldness has some kind of an umbrella to it. It has an auspice and authority that I am bold because I cannot afford to be a coward. I'm a man on duty. Does that make sense? So that's, that's the place, place from which I want to speak. And the fact that you're not just under authority, you are given authority. You, you are spirit empowered, you are backed by heaven to do the things that you are doing. You know, sometimes we can do mistakes, but we must do them authoritatively still. Yeah, I, I remember, you know, we, 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 I like what, what, what we spoke about last night. Who must preach the gospel? Every believer. To whom? To whomever. You know, and we used to preach, and you look back and you think. We would cast out demons. We would, we would do such level of ignorance with such authority, and the grace would work. And then you look back and you think. Because heaven begged us, it begged the fact that we may be fishermen unskilled in these things. We may not be able to explain eschatology and wara, 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 wara. But we are like the blind man who says, listen, whether he's a sinner, I don't know. Whether he's a prophet, I don't know. What I know. My testimony about him is, I was blind, now I can see. Argue with that. 
argue with the fact that the man from Galilee, the man from Nazareth, has changed my life. I may not out-argue you, but you can't change my experience of him. And, and for me, that's where we want to build this boldness around. So just indulge me on this picture. There's a child on the tracks, train track. The train is coming. And amongst the people there, there's a mother of that child, the father of the child, an elder sibling of that child, an athlete, a firefighter, a Navy SEAL, and other people there. But I want you to concentrate on these ones that I've mentioned. And you can hear some hundred meters or so, the, 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 this, this train driver is busy honking the thing. Get this child out of the tracks. Who do you think will rush to get that child? Now, you understand, we all automatically assume the mother will, will. And those maternal instincts would make her run. But can I suggest that the likelihood is that all of them will do it? Because others do it out of duty. They are trained to respond to crisis. They are trained to save lives. And they would put their lives on the line. A firefighter would want to be there. An athlete would look at his prowess and his abilities and think, I can actually outrun all these guys to get that child. And an AVCL would think, this is one of those missions. It may not be covert, it's overt, but it's still a mission. <laughs> and the father would be like, my son. My mother will be like, and my, the, the, the brother will be like my, my, my sibling. But you see, when it gets to a 50-50 chance possibilities of the rescuer dying in the process of rescuing, I bet you some of them are going to halt at the tracks. Because suddenly, the value of their life versus the value of that child's life comes into play. And what I want to say is only those who have a personal relationship with that child would risk it all. And that's when you will see who actually is the mother or the father. Now I want to say with the gospel, and evangelism, it's like that. It's the fact that you can all be motivated by different things. But until you are motivated by the Father's heart for the sinner, you will always stop at the tracks. When you realize that John 3.16 was the Father saying, the honking of the train will not stop me. They are worth saving, therefore they will not die, I'd rather die. Because I have created them. They are the apple of my eye. They are my people. They are my creation. And the Father Jesus says, even if I could, I won't. 
I need to get to the tracks on their behalf. And that is why it is almost impossible for people who have not assimilated into their own lives the love of Christ for them to have that sacrificial love for the sinner. Because that love that Paul speaks about in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, hope does not disappoint. For the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. When that love is not at work, no amount of motivation suffices for people to win souls. It's, it's that thing about uh, the love of God compelling us. In 2 Corinthians 5.14, this is what Paul says. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Even when we don't do, we don't want to go out. The compassion of God and the passion he has for his people compels us. Other people think it's function and duty. Function and duty can, but to some extent. That function and duty can get you involved in evangelistic events. But it will not induce an evangelistic life out of in you. Yeah, when we say, let's go somewhere, because of duty you will go. But when the rubber meets the road and people reject your message, they reject your message, they swear at you, they kill you, you will be like, thank you. I thought you guys are worth it since I can see. You are not interested. I'm no longer interested. But you know what Jeremiah says? Jeremiah says the call of Jeremiah was to a stubborn people, a stiff-necked people. The, when God calls him, he says, they won't even listen to you, but speak. And, and Jeremiah laments. He says, oh, Lord, you have deceived me, and I have been deceived. I have become like a scumbag to them. If they swear at me, they pour insults on me. And finally, I decided I'll be quiet. But he says, because there is this passion of the word of God. When I want to be quiet, your word is like fire shut up in my bones. I am compelled by a divine drive and a divine initiative that even when I think they deserve hell, but I love them anyway. And so I go. But I don't think many of us believe in that love that God shed abroad in our hearts. And one of the things that I want to submit to you is this. When you get born again, there are things that automatically happen in your life. And there are things that are progressively happening in your life. And so, by implication, when you get born again, you are both adopted and enlisted at the same time. 
And adoption is one of those immediate things, like justification. You are immediately justified. You are an heir of God. You are all these wonderful things. But those things don't just end there. Others that emanate from the same are progressive. So when you are enlisted, you are like someone who's drafted into an army. You remember those who used to go to the army. You were not like, hmm. I think I might. No, they just draft you in. But after you are drafted, there's a process of training. They train you to do other But you see, you, the day you are drafted, you are a soldier. They might just call you in even before you finish your training because somewhere in Africa, there's a, there's a war happening there. Some people were drafted. They never even went to any. So what I'm saying is, when you are enlisted from that point, anything is possible. And one of those things is what John was talking about. As soon as you are enlisted into the army, you are enlisted into evangelism. You may... Be trained on how you can do it better. That is why evangelism has to, in your mind, you have to see these two elements of it. There's an element of testimony and there's an element of the message of the gospel. I'll cover them as I, uh, I'm just going all over the, you know me, and notes. Really, your testimony is after you are just drafted. You are like uh, an engrafted, you know, back or stem into another. You are in this foreign situation, but you understand I have life coming through. And if you follow Paul, how Paul preached, Paul mixed the two all the time. Inside, I was doing this, I was doing this, until Christ, at his time, the father revealed his son. So I was this, but now I am this. But there are other times where he comes in with the clear message of the gospel, like in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, The gospel that I preach to you, this is what I said first and foremost, that Christ came and died for our sins. He was buried. He was resurrected. He, he was seen by so many. He's ascended. He's, he's hitting them with Christology to say to them, Christ is the only way, the truth, and the life. And sometimes all of us have to realize you must just move from the place of having been enlisted to graduating to whether you're going into special forces or what, but you have to be going somewhere. Because at one point, your testimony won't be enough. Because you can go, you know where Mark went? There. The testimony of an African man says zilch to them. Because there's opulence, they have staff, they don't need staff. They, you know, in Africa, you can go and say, I grew up in poverty. And the Lord, this, this. And you're talking to people who, from when they were born, when they opened eyes, they are, there was opulence. 
What's the relevance of your testimony? I think, yeah, we understand you Africans. You struggle. That's why you need Jesus. <laughs> but you see, when we graduate, we get to a point where now Paul says, I know you, 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 you my king, you, 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 are, you are familiar with the theology, with Hebraic and Jewish theology. Can, I, can you just indulge me about the resurrection, about Christ, about the Messiah, about... You know, the king is like, hey, oh, wait, 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 wait. Do you, in this short period of time, want to convert me into a Christian person? Of course, except for these chains. Why? Because now, the man cannot argue himself out of the message of the cross. And if you, if you follow the events of that day... The man was actually agitated. Like, no, 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 let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Because the message of the cross is more powerful than just our testimony. Both are essential, both are powerful. But there's a time where only one breaks through. And we need to know that message. Because evangelism has a message. The message of the gospel. And most people don't evangelize because firstly they're forgetting their own testimony. No, honestly, people actually forget what they were before grace found them. And they had not taken time to go deeper into the message of the gospel. But the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel has reached queens, kings, CEOs, people that... Because your testimony is your encounter, is the work of Christ in you. It's your personal encounter. But the message of the cross is the finished work of the grace of God on the cross of Calvary. It is the work of God on behalf of everyone who dares and chances to believe. So if a person says your testimony is irrelevant, yeah, the work of the cross can never be irrelevant. Do you understand? And so when you know that you enlarge your scope of what you can say, and what you should be saying. I don't know how much time I still have. <laughs> so, when I don't know what time I have, I always try to go back to my notes. <laughs> so, let me read a statement for you, to, for you and me to carry home. You have to understand why love hang on the cross for your sake. To cross the bridge and say, share the same love with others who are where you used to be. When you can understand and embrace why Christ, love personified, hanged for you, you can also cross to others to share the same love because they are where you were. When love found you, isn't it? 
So few things that from a place of being ambassadors we need to remember is that evangelism, genuine evangelism emanates from the love shared abroad in our hearts, not just the desire to see souls saved. Evangelism is God's pathway for reconciliation with humanity. Like, I, I like what Jonah said. A good life does not save anyone. It's evangelism that is path, God's pathway. Go and tell them. People won't be reconciled until they are told. You have offended a holy God. And you can never, in any way, deal with his anger against you should you fail to take upon yourself the sacrifice of Christ. That's the only way to deviate his anger and make peace with him. And people need to hear that. I don't think they are, everyone is that smart to just figure it on their own. That's why the Bible says, how can they believe unless someone tells them. So Paul said to Corinthians 5, 18 to 20, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You know, at least we know in this country there's a new minister of electricity. Let's hope he doesn't do better than you and I in our ministry of reconciliation. Because ours, as we've been there, I mean, let's not operate like our ministers. I think somebody gets it. Let's get into some service delivery to those who need ministry of reconciliation. And he has committed to us the message. So there's a message to this process. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making this appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You know, this was not just an apostolic message. It's the message of the church to say to the world, you are God's enemies in your minds. That's what the Bible says. Be reconciled to God. Our testimony is not borrowed, but imparted and received. And you have to know that my testimony about Jesus, I did not borrow it. When you forget your own testimony, you try to make up from other people. But doesn't Romans tell us? So, so Romans chapter 8 says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So I have a testimony within myself. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. What does John tell us? That God has given us eternal life and this, is it, this eternal life is in his son. He who has the son has this life. He who does not have the son does not have eternal life. He who has the son has this testimony. So, I need to be sitting there 
with a conviction that I have a testimony from the Spirit of God in my spirit. I'm a child of God. So that the testimony of the events of my life does not overshadow the testimony of God's Spirit about my identity in God. Because when people are out argued, they go out there, they try to testify to someone, and then someone who is either in a backsliding state or is well-read theologically, and they start out-arguing them. When they can't at the rational and philosophical match the person pound to pound, they lose the testimony of the Spirit. I'm a child of God regardless of my shortcomings in this argument. In John chapter 15, this is what Jesus says. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, who will testify about me, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. The Holy Spirit testifies. Mark said something yesterday about staying in his presence to hear his voice. And sometimes, you know, he, hearing the voice of God, by now we all know, it's not for the super spiritual. It's for anyone who dares to listen. And sometimes other people are good listeners from the onset. I like the story of Ananias. I don't know who Ananias was. Not the one who died. But the Ananias in Acts chapter 9. The Bible does not say he was a leader in the church. It puts this way. There was a disciple named Ananias. That guy is mentioned only in that portion of scripture. Where he goes to pray and say, Brother Paul, the Lord has, come, has told me to come and pray for you to receive your sight and, and be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And that was it. A man who seemingly was just an ordinary church member released from a place of listening and obedience. Someone that we today call super apostles, but we don't remember the guy who actually went. It was not Peter. It, it was not any of these guys. It was just a guy who was in a place of listening. And sometimes evangelism is like that. It's like running in the park listening and the Holy Spirit says, pray for this one. Tell this one his mother will be fine. Do this, do this, do that. And because I'm a man under authority, I know I just have to deliver. I don't have to try and convince the guy. I just pass on what the Lord say I must pass on. And I don't have to be a pastor. I don't have to be an apostle. I don't have to be anything. I just have to be a, an obedient child of God. And sometimes in that space, we have also to remind ourselves that evangelism is not just a strategy. But it's a power factor. You are releasing the captives. You think the one who has captured them is just going to let you waltz in? No. At any moment of engaging in evangelism, two kingdoms are engaged. And the one 
from whom you are trying. They really give the last kicks of a dying horse. So sometimes we have to be in that place of prayer. Sometimes we have to be in that place of the supernatural endowment. That is why in Acts chapter 16, that girl who had a, a, a spirit of divination, you know, it took, it was not just a message this time around. It was authority through the power of the Holy Spirit via the gifts. I command you. First, there was discernment. This is a demonic spirit trying to masquerade as a prophetic spirit of God. But I, I command you in the name of Jesus. And sometimes we go into territories that demand power. You know, in Ephesus, you didn't just go in there just with words. Because there were blacksmiths, there were witches, there were all kinds of people. The Bible says when the, the gospel came in power, people came and bent their witchcraft books. Eh? The guys who, who were doing molds for Diana, they had to feel the pinch that something has shifted about idol worship. I mean, think about European context. Europeans don't believe that they're under demonic oppression, most of them. They, ha they have all these other things that you and I know are demonic. But they don't think they're demonic. But when you come, all this palm reading and parrot and cast reading and wada, wada, wada. You know, you know, black people know that they are witches. But you know we don't write witchcraft books. Go and try and find any witchcraft book written by a black person. You won't find any. <laughs> but the people that say don't believe in witchcraft are the ones who have witchcraft books. They have these cult stuff and symbols. And so sometimes you go into that context, you just speak, they listen to you. But when you come, through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a different ball game. Because even Simon, I don't know what Simon was, whether he was black or white. All I know, he was a sorcerer. And all I know is that when the power greater than the power of sorcery came, even Simon was like, yes, Lord. <laughs> so I'm saying to us, just recognize that those things have impact on what you do in your quest for evangelism. I'm almost there. So another thing is our evangelism is in the accompaniment or in the company, in the company of the Lord Himself. Jesus says, "I will never leave you, no." forsake you. When you go into the context, Matthew 28, he says, and I will be with you. Mark 16 says, and after he spoke them and he asked, the, the disciples went about preaching and the Lord was with them, confirming. So sometimes you think, Lord, should I? No. Picture the situation. He's with me. He's holding my hand. I don't know what to say, but he's here. And sometimes 
when you read stories like of people like Charles Finney, you realize that sometimes it's not words that matter. It's carrying his presence. Because sometimes evangelism was done just through the presence of God with the one evangelizing. They came in and people started falling down in repentance. Why? Because maybe words would not have been enough. Maybe we would have argued the whole week. But when we came with the presence of God, there was just this weeping. So I'm saying sometimes invest in that presence so that when you go in, even when you don't know what to say, he will give you what to say. Okay. Lastly, yeah, we'll pick up on other things later. We evangelize as ambassadors, not as free rangers. So, I'm just repeating what I, I said earlier on because it can get very controversial. We must love people, everyone, but we must never be coerced to change the message of the cross. We must not think the gospel message is flexible. It's not. No one can come to God on their own terms. And it's not your right and privilege to change the terms. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. You don't have a right to go and say to people, there are many ways to God. No. You don't have a right to say, yeah, we can, we can, no. We don't seek to accommodate. We are like the disciples. They were told specifically, didn't we instruct you not to preach in this name anymore? And their answer was an ambassador answer. Judge ye for yourselves whether we should listen to you or to God. But Christians that are seeking political correctness, relevance, and what, what, always miss the point. Shall we stand up and pray? It's an indictment <laughs> for someone to be called by the king and try to represent himself or other views. Yes, it's an indictment. It's a shame that we cower when people tell us about their sexuality, about this and that and that and that, and we think God is loving. He expects everyone. You know, God wants everyone to come to him, but on his terms. So, Father, we pray for boldness that comes from the position of being the representatives of heaven, of as ambassadors, that we don't have our own message to preach. We have not died for anyone on the cross. And no one can come to the Father except through the Son. And I pray that in our boldness, Lord, we stand on the truth of your word. We stand on the truth that the Holy Spirit has testified to us. 
that when we come to you, we must repent, Lord. That when we evangelize, we do not water the gospel down, but we remind people, repent. So that when we have spoken, people know they are enlisted to the army of God. And there is a way, there are rules, and there is a king under whose command we are. So, Father, I pray for that place of compassion and love that whilst we do not judge, whilst we preach, we can both love and also be truthful in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the City on a Hill Summit. We hope this message was a blessing for you like it was for us. And remember, to find more content and ways to connect. Please visit our website, www.coah.co.za summit.